everybody listening, I personally would have probably held off on that one until I fe- I'm sure that like they weren't a mass murderer or anything like that. But you're pretty brave putting it out there like well, this. I'm impressed. If, if you don't hear from me next week, now you know why. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 137. I am your host, Tom Rideout. Here with me, as always, is Eric, the man with the plan, Van Johnson. That <laughs> was very long. Yes, I am here, Thomas. As always, I got your back, brother. Oh, boy. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. If this is the first time listening to the show, you are listening to PHP Ugly. We are just a punch of uh, a couple. Well, sometimes there's three of us. Sometimes there's only two of us. Occasionally. <laughs> we like to say we're over overworked, underappreciated developers, but we like to get together once a week and talk shit. <laughs> sometimes we actually talk about coding. Most of the times we don't. <laughs> I, got, I got some coding stuff for us this week, but I've got a lot. I've got a lot of bizarre, strange stories for you. All right, well, let's jump into it. What coding What coding stuff do you have for me this week? Uh, well, I, I don't want to start with coding because I've... Okay. I've had an interesting week. All right. Uh, All right. Let's hear it. My wife, I, I love my wife very, very much. I'm sure she'll she, be happy to hear that. She is the absolute worst at breaking news of any kind, good or bad. Just cannot do it correctly, appropriately whatsoever. I get a phone call, and it's it's my wife. It's She's just about to get off work. She's in tears, crying, and tells me, I'm just going to send you a picture. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Oh, dear. That's, a, that's not a good way to start things. Right, and, and normally, like, in a normal relationship, I would begin to panic. Like, <laughs> what's going on? What happened? What did, what did I do? Mm-hmm. What did she do? Reasonable. Reasonable reaction all around. Um, she sends me a picture of a, a young man in his twenties and says, this is my son. Uh, what, what, excuse me. (laughs) So, uh, we've, we've been trying for a while or she's been trying for a while to track down, um, a son that she gave up for adoption when she was 17 years old. I never knew this. Yeah. And, uh, he found her on Monday and he, oh, he found her. Yeah, because the the whole parents' rights versus child rights thing, it's really hard for us to find him. Mm -hmm. It's much easier for him to find us. Okay. And by us, I mean her, because I have no relationship whatsoever to him. Right, Um, right. This is well well before you. Yes. So he's uh, 26 years old, living in Utah, and... Yeah, and he's catching a flight tomorrow to come out and meet everybody. No way! <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> it's it's been a, a bit of a whirlwind. Have you validated this uh, connection? Are you, are you sure? Now you are you are a world famous podcaster. Are you sure he didn't find out about that and he's just trying to uh, weasel his way into this family? It it would have been the hardest possible way to do that because he went through all of her extended family to get to this point. So that, it, I would think that if he was going to search me out specifically, that he would go through my extended family. And so, but although that would the story would fall apart there, so I don't know. 
This, I, I'm not sure how do you how do you going validate to be very that? Very interesting. That is one of the words I've been saying a lot lately. We had Germany online with us tonight, by the way, in Discord. Uh, I don't know if we have our our, our Chinese connection out there or not, um, but uh, we definitely have Germany out there. Hello. Um, that is absolutely mind blowing, Thomas. Yeah, it's it's a little bonkers. It's it was really zero to sixty. So I realize just... I realize there's probably like I, I mean like what you what what you can share, what you feel comfortable sharing, and all that. I I, I understand those. You know, you're still kind of defining where those limits are. But is there anything you can tell us about him? Like, is he a developer by chance? Is he Mormon if he's in Utah? Is he uh, reformed Mormon? Uh, construction worker, uh, recently engaged earlier this month. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know a whole lot. Uh, I haven't been like, my wife's been talking to him. My wife's been doing video chat with him every night and with the kids every night, but I'm not really involved in that because I don't have a lot of input in the relationship, which my kids didn't quite understand why, like (laughs) that. Why would... Right, I mean, to them, mom's current husband's not really tied to the whole thing. Right, right. That that is mind blowing. Well, I guess next week we'll have something to talk about for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm also having some trouble with uh, Laravel Horizon. <laughs> well, well, that's a good tie-in. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought those two together. <laughs> but hold on, before we move on from. Uh, uh, Adopted son, um, you, I, I don't even know where to start with this question. You, you two decided you were going to look for him, and then it just so happened he was looking for her as well. Or how, how did that exactly happen? I mean, I, I don't know even how that transpires. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure what the exact deal is, but uh, the my wife had put down had not put down her real first name on the birth certificate which I guess is some kind of standard for birth adoptions. Um, And then uh, he contacted a bunch of people on her side of the family first who didn't know that she had a kid at 17. (laughs) (laughs) And so there were several relatives who said, no, I think you got the wrong family. I don't think those, I don't think this is the right one. And finally he got to surprise. uh, Yeah. Finally he got to, my wife's cousin, who said, wait a second, how old are you? So that would have made you, oh, yeah, no, I know who your mom is. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Wow. So That's absolutely mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. How do you feel? I mean, it's great for her and, and all. How, how are you feeling about it? Are you, obviously, I assume you're happy for your wife? or? Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'm not really sure where I stand with any of it because it's a, it's a new influence on the family and my kids are currently mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. angsty teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of like caution on my end, whereas my mm-hmm. wife is not known for her cautious nature. Well, I mean, but, she married you, right? I mean, right. So, you know, I don't want to step on her toes, but we also have to sort of establish, yeah, here's our goals with the, the kids and, you know, if you could just support the 
conceptually support that, that'd be great as a big brother. So yeah. the the kids, uh, they're already aware of the fact that they have an older brother out there? and Yeah, so we told them when they were uh, nine or ten. So they've known for a long time. Um, and they knew that we had we had started filing the paperwork to figure things out. So it wasn't like a completely out of the blue thing for them. But teenagers are awkward. They don't know what they're doing. So, you know, the first time that he called, they all got on the phone with him and said, hi, so what'd you do today? (laughs) (laughs) We've never actually met or anything. Uh, How was your day? (laughs) Yeah. They haven't like done, you know, the uh, manners schools. So they don't know what to say in a conversation. Sure, sure, and and it's not exactly a conversation you have every day either. I mean, it's definitely one of those unique cases. Yeah, I mean, I hope it doesn't happen again. Because <laughs> that would that would be that would be a big surprise to me. Younger days. Oh, God, I hope it doesn't happen to me. <laughs> well, that's super exciting news, and and thanks for sharing with with me and everybody listening. I personally would have probably held off on that one until I I'm sure that like they weren't a mass murderer or anything like that, but you're pretty brave putting it out there like well, this. I'm impressed. If, if you don't hear from me next week, now you know why. <laughs> oh, but that does, that does bring me into the other, the other issue is that uh, since he's going to be in town all weekend, uh, you get to edit this, this episode. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. Um, yeah, no problem there. I do have uh we, John and I, and if you aren't a regular listener to the show, our our third of you, you keep saying that. Are you expecting like a massive flood of Chinese accounts or something? I've been looking at our our numbers since we started upping our stream, and and we're like doubling our viewing audience. And uh, I don't know. I, I just I just put it out there every now and then. You never know who listens to the show for the first time, and I just like to kind of give some backstory. I mean. I don't do the whole whole origin story every every show, but catching people up on things isn't that bad of a thing, right? I mean, we have uh, how do you say that? Um, my, my, how how do you say the German name there in Discord? Mm, Mabel. 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 I don't. I don't, I don't think. That's I don't. Me. I don't know. But since you were nice enough to say you're listening from Germany, is this your first time listening? Let us know, and let us know if you appreciate me telling you who we are. I don't know. I just I feel like we don't do it enough, and I I just like to establish that baseline every now and then. Anyways, our third amigo uh, John is not with us today. He's doing some uh, some travel traveling for work. Okay, he's still with us. He's still alive. He's not on the podcast. Actually, I haven't actually talked to him today, so I, I can't exactly confirm that, but. Yes, he's as far as we know still part of this part of this reality. <laughs> he hasn't changed to dust yet, as far as we know. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, new previews for uh, Far From Home, or is that what it's called? The new Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm curious. It's going to be a cool cool year for Marvel movies. That uh, Captain Marvel, the new Avengers. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be. I mean. It's like you know they're going to tie everything together. So, well, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's I'm I'm glad that they released the preview to the movie 
and they didn't like they didn't try to make it too obscure where it was like maybe just like the spider-man logo and you really they never really actually show the the actors or anything like the that teasers and stuff yeah 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 so they actually showed a real teaser of of the movie so it's like okay cool cool this is this looks cool now you still don't know if it happened before the last avengers movie or if it happened after the last avengers movie you know where it falls in the timeline but and they didn't really give away a whole lot of secrets as far as that goes, but it's cool. Oh, we, we know, we know that I'm it's after. It. Oh, we do know, we do know it's after. Yeah, yeah, it's after. Oh, I didn't. How did you figure that? I mean, I know people have said that it's going to be after, but I didn't see anything in the trailer. Look, look, the direct, the director said it was after. Okay, but but there was nothing in the trailer that confirmed that. Well, except that he had a suit. Okay. Because in, in remember in the timeline, there's homecoming. At the end of Homecoming, he loses all of his gear. He doesn't have a spider suit. In Avengers, he gets it back again. So the fact that he had a suit means it had to have been after Avengers. Well, he got his suit back at the end of Homecoming, too. He, he, got his, he didn't get the space really? suit. He got offered the suit back. No, he got, he, off, said, he got offered the space suit. But he got the he had because remember in Avengers, he swung in on the suit. He had the suit on when he came into Tony Stark and said, Hey, Mr. Stark, what's going on here? So he he had he had the, the version of the suit that he had in the homecoming movie. He was offered the spacesuit that he was given in Avengers. That's the one or you assume that's the same one that Tony Stark calls for when he when they're going up in the spaceship. Yeah. But he had uh, he had one version of the suit. Anyways, I'm excited. I'm I'm a comic book nerd, so I enjoy that stuff. I'm a little excited. Is, is DC Universe doing anything this year? Uh, you know, I actually haven't even seen the Aquaman movie that came out, so I don't know if it's any good. I haven't heard any reviews. I don't know what the DC Universe uh, has in store, but I don't know. I have no idea. We'll see. Oh, uh, what is, I think I think the second Wonder Woman installment is supposed to come out this year. Oh yeah. yeah. So we'll oh, see. <laughs> I do have some exciting news. All right. Let me, let, me throw, let me throw it up here for all of our Patreon supporters. We do appreciate your support. I uh, finally got around ordering the uh, lanyards uh, for the p- Patreon level that we set out. I said that we're I, w- I was going to get those uh, mini lanyards for PHP Ugly, as well as the lanyards for um, Get Mission Control. So I yeah. finally ordered the php ugly mini lanyards so if you're a patreon uh those should be shipping it, it it said the last the first week or two in february is what they were targeting they keep emailing me some questions about the artwork i'm like no that's really what the elephant looks like i'm i'm sorry <laughs> so but yeah, let's it's, see. it's not it's, it's yeah, not the wrong file that's our elephant that's that's it so once we get that in we'll start sitting out uh, all the Patreon supporters, um, all their prize levels. I we said we'd send out the lanyards, basically the Mission Control lanyards to just just everybody, right? Everybody who was part of uh, Mission. Con- I mean, Mission Control. <laughs> everybody who was part of uh, Patreon, we'd send out a Mission Control lanyard for, it, and then the top tier uh, Patreons would get a PHP Ugly mini lanyard. So. It's going to take a little while, um, but we'll we'll get all that in the mail here. And uh, buttery buttery crumpets, 
You're very high on our list. We're we're trying to figure out a cheap way of getting you getting you some swag. So we do appreciate uh, you being the first and longest running Patreon. Thank you. All right. What else uh, so you, you said you were having some problems with Laravel Horizon. That's the uh, that's the Laravel package that's out there for managing um, queues. Yeah. What's your issue with Laravel Horizon? Well, I I've got. We switched over to Horizon on one of our production machines uh, recently, and <clears throat> I never really looked at it too much or cared about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today I had to run a job that had 11,000 records, 11,000 jobs on it. And, uh, and so I was keeping my eye on how things were going. And it's only got a single process out of 11 that's actually working on that queue. Huh? And all the others are dead. All the other processes are sitting idle. That doesn't seem right. Well, so I looked at the load balancing. The load balancing on the processes was set to simple. I updated that, and it I updated it to auto. Uh-huh. So it should it should auto load balance everything that needs to be sorted correctly, um, uh-huh. and and push that out. And once that was pushed out, I got all eleven threads oh, on perfect. Right, but then it stopped doing that again, and now it's back to two thousand jobs, and it's waiting for each job to finish. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, I don't have. I don't have enough. I actually have no experience with Laravel Horizon, so uh, I have nothing, nothing to contribute here. Well, I, I I pulled up my composer JSON to look at what version of Horizon we're running, and we're running one point four. Uh, but the current version of Horizon is two point, I think, oh two. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, so major major revision release plus some. Hmm. But no change log. No, no change log. Not none. Not anything from one to two. Not anything from one four to one five to one six. There's no change log whatsoever for these mm. for these different versions. I have no idea what's fixed, what's broken, what's new, what's removed. I, there's nothing indicating anything is different between these versions. There's nothing in GitHub or anything. Come on, there's there has to nothing. Be. There's nothing. I got, I got, I'm streaming uh, the, my browser right now. I'm going over to GitHub. And uh, yeah, not a whole lot there, is there? My no, there's, there's nothing at all. I mean, I guess you can look at the commit logs, but even that isn't uh, a whole lot. But you got Michael Dorinda out there committing. Commit logs are a time consuming way to see. If a bug on queuing is fixed or, or not, there's no way for me to know. Like, if I don't know what the bug is, I don't know which line of code change fixed it. Yeah. Well, it looks like Michael Dorinda commits so this. Now, where you're, at, where you're at, on GitHub, you can click on the changelog.md. So there uh, is a changelog I? file in GitHub. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. There is. Yep. So go ahead, go ahead and read to the audience what that says. Version <laughs> <laughs> 2.0, add a new application level, horizon service provider, and authorization method for consistency with Nova and Telescope. Yeah, not uh, not too informative. There is a, um, oh, that's from that's from the 1.0, which the 1.0 obviously doesn't even have a change log. So that, right. that's actually, yeah, that's not... Uh, not too helpful there, is it? Yeah, it's not anything at all, and I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea how to proceed with this other than just like 
upgrade Horizon and see if it works now. <laughs> see, see, see if something gets fixed somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what you're left to do here. Yeah, I, like I said, unfortunately, I have zero experience with Horizon. I wasn't uh, wasn't really blown away with Horizon, although I do think we're going to need it here moving very soon. Um, I not need it, but it's going to be a handy thing to have. Uh, it has serious limitations. I mean, it's not meant to do a whole lot to begin with. I mean, you're only you're only monitoring cues, so I, yeah. I don't I don't know how how much limitation it could have. But yeah, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you're having problems. I mean, but your cues are still working, right? I mean, it's it's not like it broke anything. Yeah, no, it's it's down to two thousand two hundred and sixty seven jobs remaining. So. <laughs> you just watch them take off one at a time. I literally am. <laughs> it's we're moving images from one CDN to another, mm-hmm. so it's literally a job that goes and fetches an image, pulls it down, and then pushes it up to S3. Mm-hmm. It's like that's just it's just gonna be time consuming, and it could work great with a thousand threads running, mm-hmm. but I can't get a thousand threads running. Right. Hmm. So I, I told you last week I started playing around with Laravel Nova. And I've kind of run into a couple weird behaviors with Laravel. What? Nova. What? I didn't say anything about that happening. <laughs> no, I, I did. I'm, I'm saying that. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, I, I mean, it, it's, I, I don't even know how to describe it. it. It's just a bizarre behavior. I have a, a developer here at Diego Dev who has been working with Laravel Nova for a while. And when I, explain to him the behavior I was seeing, which is basically like in Laravel Nova, you, you, you point the, um, you create a interface. uh, It's not, it's not an official interface. I'm just calling it an interface to your different Laravel models. And it gives you that CRUD uh, display, the create, read, update, delete interface for that model. Right. Um, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's there's not a whole lot of magic to it, but I, I keep pointing it to this one table. Now, the only thing that's odd about this table is this table has a relationship. Uh, so it, it, it has a belongs to relationship with uh, with users. And that relationship works, but for whatever reason, it only pulls in like a third of the records from the model. Like it won't pull in all the records. And it's just a... Yeah, it's just a really weird behavior because if you know how if you know how Nova works, like there's no filtering or anything I'm doing to limit limit it from pulling in all the records. So I'm like, I'm just kind of like my hands are up in the air. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. There's nothing for me to <laughs> configure here to tell it to pull in what anymore. Do, what do you want from me? And even if I remove the relationship, uh, it still doesn't pull in all the records. Like even if I just treat it like a straight um, a straight model with no relationship it still like picks and chooses what records now it's consistent. It'll consistently pull in the same records, but it's not pulling them all in. And it's, it's really bizarre. I don't know why, why it's doing it, but yeah, coding fun stuff. That's, that's the thing to me about Nova is that it's so much magic, so much black box that you're going to have that problem. Yeah, and like you said, the this uh, Marcus is the developer who has uh, the most experience with it, and he he was he was saying that he ran into a bunch of little quirks in it. Unfortunately, we the even the project I'm working on is an internal project for Diego Dev, so the 
the fact that it's acting quirky, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just code around this. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about it, but it's, it does bear in the decision of, okay, well, will I ever offer this to a client? Like, do, do I feel comfortable enough making this part of a project that I would offer to a client? Yeah, I, I think it, uh, it could very easily speed a small project up, but it, it adds complexity in its magic that if the project ever got big, it could really start to slow the project down. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, if, if I were doing a blog for somebody, sure. The no, Laravel Nova, yeah, take a copy, leave yeah, a copy, exactly. whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. But if I'm building a CRM that requires files to be added, relationships all over the place, management of security and this and that, I couldn't ever rely on Nova. At least I, I, I couldn't with, I, I definitely would have to do a deeper dive in it. Um, yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. I And, and I, I'm kind of agreeing with you too. It's like, I, my, my, it's not as out right, of hold the on, box. Do, we, is, do you have a special, uh, a special announcement theme for the, the, the video? Like the Eric's agreeing with Tom confetti from the ceiling with balloons oh, thing. I should have, I should have put something together. Huh? Whenever I actually agree with you, I should, I should have a button here to hit. <laughs> it Just happened. Ah! <laughs> Air horns. But, but yeah, I, I do. I do agree that, uh, yeah, it, it would definitely require a little bit more deeper understanding of how Nova works, so that you can be sure that you're implementing it correctly. But it's yeah, it's not it's not a straight out of the box. It just works. There's nothing to worry about implementation that as you would hope it would be. I don't think I don't think you could <clears throat> make such a thing. Uh, you know, if you look at something like October CMS, which is a Laravel built CMS, that's what they were trying to do, and they couldn't succeed at it. You know, and that I just it's I don't see it. I don't see a practicality to really depending on Nova. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what else have you been? Any other coding stuff you've been working on? Uh, I mean, it's it's been a lot, but it's been the same thing. It's been that that batch of jobs uh, moved a ticket over from July of last year into production, mm-hmm. and oh boy, really? I mean. When it's you my say usual tic- gripe. ticket, was it was was it a ticket or was it a PR or what? A, a Jira, a Jira branch. Okay, so, so it was it, actual it, it was actual code though somewhere that you had to push. Yeah, yeah, it was an actual it was actual code from July middle of last year. Yeah, <whistles> and I mean, if you know how our shop works, we move pretty fast. So it was yeah. it was scary to move this stuff over, but it looks like everything has worked out and. Hopefully by Monday we will be switched over to a completely different image host for our entire system, which wow. would be impressive. Wow, that would be impressive. Yeah, we we're continuing continuing to plug along on our fairly large Greenfield app um, with uh, the one client. We've been reaching out to uh, consultants to help the team get their head around event sourcing. Uh, because we've kind of we're trying to architect a lot of uh, event sourcing into this new application, mainly because there's a big uh, accounting component to it. So uh, got to talk to talk to a couple of uh, consultants uh, last week, and I tell you, it seems achievable now. Like 
the more I'm getting getting my head around it, the more uh, we talked through some practical implementations this this last go around, and um, yeah, it's like okay, okay, I, I'm I'm seeing that, and, and we're actually starting to do some coding now, where we're we're coding around with some kind of first level sort of event sourcing architecture and seeing, okay, this is, this is behaving as I expected to behave. And how do I get this data? Where do I look for this data? Um, and what's even cooler is I'm getting more and more feedback from, from the community now of, Oh, Hey, if you're working on this, you want to go talk to this person. And so I actually got more people to reach out to, but I'm getting excited. Um, it's going to be fun. I think it's a, I think it's going to be a big, big paradigm shift as far as coding goes and the Diego dev group. I think, uh, I think once we that get our heads around so this nice. and we start implementing it, it's probably going to be something in our toolbox that we reach for more frequently. I mean, I definitely don't want to overuse it because it's a, it's a complicated kind of architecture. And that's what I was telling the team. I'm like, I kind of feel bad about this because the days of this client being able to potentially go to Craigslist and hire a developer will be gone if we implement this architecture. Does the client know that? The client, uh, yeah, yeah. And we've talked through this. And it's actually the client that um, after we had done presentations of the uh, event sourcing, it's the client now that's demanding, that, that has made this a requirement. Uh, they, they saw a presentation of the event sourcing architecture and I, um, I went down there and I talked to them about it and, you know, we, we showed it and we said, we, we didn't, we didn't say this is what we're doing for sure. It's just, this is the architecture we're thinking about trying to implement. These are the reasons why we're thinking about implementing it. And, uh, they actually ended up pulling in their CFO. So the CFO of the company who, uh, is not even in San Diego came down to San Diego to watch one of the presentations. And it was after that meeting um, and the CFO is, uh, has a big accounting background. It just resonated with him. He's like, I completely understand everything you're saying. This is how we do things in accounting. Like what you're telling me now are accounting practices. And then it was after that meeting, the CEO and the CFO had their meeting. And then the CEO reached out to us and basically said, this is now a requirement. You have to implement event sourcing. <laughs> See, okay, so the lesson learned from this is that whenever you have a design meeting, make sure that the company's accountant is part of the design process because they'll <laughs> do the second sale for you. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, you know, you did tell them because you're obligated to let them know, hey, you're really leveling up your architecture here. Like, you can't bring in, you know, your, your, your beginning, your intro, introduction level. I want to be yeah. a PHP developer. I just started doing this six months ago. Developer anymore, and expect them to be successful in an architecture like this. I mean, it's it's just going to be a lot for them to get their head around. So, so I we may be coding ourselves in some job security for a while, <laughs> <laughs> which, which isn't hey. necessarily a bad thing, right? Yeah, if you if you do it right, then uh, the job security builds itself in. Right, exactly, exactly. And, and if we do it right and we implement it right, it won't be that difficult to maintain for us. It'll be difficult for somebody who doesn't understand event sourcing to come in and do anything. But for us, it should be pretty straightforward. 
We'll see. I, I'm nervous. I hope, there's, I'm I hope there's an event sourcing talk at Wave next year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think there will be. <laughs> at least one. Wave is starting to stress us out. Um, we're uh, Already. We're, it's, yeah, you know, it's January. Uh, well, only because we were so focused on having it at the same venue that we had it last year that we thought that piece of the puzzle was already done. And then we, when we started to, when we reached out to them and said, okay, you know, we need to uh, lock down some dates. It turned out that they weren't able to offer any dates that made sense to us. And so then really? we, yeah. So we even, we even gave our original plan a lot of wiggle room where we were telling everybody, oh, it'll be about the same time in September. We started looking into August and October, and where they had some they had some dates available to us. We're like, oh, those aren't really ideal for for traveling to a conference for for one reason or another. So now John and I we we were just talking about it this week. Of we are, we we've already started the process of looking for another venue. It was like, okay, we we need to get call uh, proposals out there for other hotels to submit to us to see if we can't find a similar venue. So we have those out there and you know, already it's like the, the ones we're getting back, it's like, Oh, well, September is going to be tough, but what about this date? And it's like, Oh man, this sucks. And then on top of that, um, there's, there's some rumblings in the kind of PHP conference community, the, the secret PHP conference community. I've heard <laughs> that it exists, but I, I haven't actually you I have don't know, know where the, the meetings take place. You have to know the handshake, and I, I, I just learned, so I can't, I can't disclose it. But, but there is some talk about whether or not uh, these uh, regional conferences are hurting or helping. And the, the one thing all the regional conferences as have opposed to common, global conferences. Yeah, well, as opposed, to, yeah, the, the, the more um, targeted. Yeah, conferences. So the one thing that everybody's having, the, the issue everybody has is sponsorship because it costs a lot of money to have a conference. And there's limited amount of sponsorship out there. So, you know, if you have Wave, you have Longhorn, you have uh, Cascadia, you have, you know, a Detroit, you have Mid Midwest, Mideast, you know, all, all these little conferences all trying to get to the same sponsorship, you know, limited funds, there's less for everybody. And so, so that's, that's problematic, right? It's problematic for everybody trying to hold a conference. Um, well, if theirs were as good as wave PHP, they wouldn't have to worry about it. Right. And I have arguments on this. And, and one of my <laughs> arguments, one of my arguments with John, because John, you know, brought it up. He's like, listen, you know, we're struggling. I'm like, you know, we're, we're going to be struggling for sponsorship. I'm like, yeah, well, everybody's struggling. And my argument with John, it's the same argument I had for the reasons we, we decided to hold Wave PHP last year was that, you know, nobody's on the West Coast. Now, of course, we have Cascadia now. They're up in Oregon. But, it's like, honestly, I feel like we do, it, we do a better job. And I'm like, you know, we brought a, a viable, nice conference that people want to attend to the West Coast all these other conferences are kind of in the middle of America, and and if they want to duke it out, they can duke it out. But I don't know. I still feel like we have an obligation to for our our West Coast conference, and we're and we're moving forward with that as well. We're like, okay, well, we're going to continue down this path, but 
but sponsorship is going to be a big deal for us this year. I mean, last year, Diego Dev, uh, I mean, we flipped the bill for probably 90% of that, that conference. And that's money we didn't see back. <laughs> I mean, it's not... I've, I... I've seen the accounting. You guys, you guys paid the bill for 110 percent of the conference. I'm not <laughs> sure how you managed to do that. And it's not like we got we got contracts out of it, or people bought our products, or anything like that. You know, it's just something we did for the community, and and we had saved up previous years for that. But but that well's dry. I mean, we don't we didn't we didn't think we were we we're going to have to spend it all on last year's conference, and there's nothing there for this year's conference. So we need to have sponsorship. So that's another, I mean, that's another factor. Not only is the venue a factor, but if there is no sponsorship, then there may not be a conference this year for us. There's only so much we can do about that. So we're still, I mean, we're still plugging along. We're still trying. We're reaching out. We're, we're putting together our, our prospects uh, and trying to get it out there. We think we have, I mean, we're hoping we have enough of a reputation now from last year. There's been enough word of mouth where people are like, this was a good conference. It was well thought out. They had they had good good speakers. That uh, some of that sponsorship money will come our way, but I mean, we'll see. Uh, I'm looking at our Patreon, and I don't think PHP Ugly is going to be able to sponsor this year. We might be able to do a community table or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of the year left. If we just if we just let it keep accruing. We could we could probably buy dinner for somebody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a, a nice it'd be a nice dinner. It'd be better than uh, Big Macs served on silver platters. But there were some people that were happy with this Big Macs, Thomas. Don't knock it. Yeah. Oh, that it's, was a uh, White House. That was a White House joke, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That was that. That was crazy. <laughs> you know what? I was wondering to myself. Uh, I, I wonder. I wonder why. More of these football players haven't like spoken out about what they thought of the whole situation, and then I realized uh, what this administration does to outspoken football players. What's that? Uh, makes sure that they never work in professional football again. Well, and these are college kids too, right? Like I'm sure they could right. pull scholarships and things like that. No, I'm like I'm sure that if if one of them said, "I can't believe this. This is a complete travesty and un-American," I'm sure if somebody had said something that was really their opinion then they just wouldn't be playing next year. And what kills me is you know you know Trump sat down f- to dinner that night and had like a nice dinner. He yeah. was so proud. Yeah, he had Big Macs. That was his version of he loves Big Macs. Really? Like, he loves Yeah, he did an ad for McDonald's oh, in the eighties. He loves fast food. As big of a guy as I am, McDonald's is one of those is Fast food, really, in general, but McDonald's, I can't eat McDonald's. I just can't. My body does not agree with McDonald's. And uh, I, um, yeah, I, I, I was a big McDonald's. I think I was a big McDonald's person when I was younger. It was always good. But last 10 years, 20 years. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Every once in a while, I'll take my daughter out to treat her because she loves McDonald's. And I always regret it. It's always instant stomach ache. Yeah, right? It's It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, Anyways, anyway. we don't talk politics on this podcast. No, no. I've got an interesting, interesting ticket here. I mean, here's the thing: is that we're we're gonna turn this is gonna turn into doom and gloom, like so fast from here on out. <laughs> it's been pretty doom and gloomy leading up to this, by the way. So point that out. No, I've got uh, I've got a new family member. That's that's pretty not doom and gloomy. That's great. 
All right, which, which ticket did you want to talk about? Well, we, we both have the same ticket from the same website. Right? How often does that happen? It actually happens pretty frequently, but yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the, headline, the headline here is slightly deceptive. Okay. So the headline here from Extreme Tech is Australia becomes the first Western nation to ban secure encryption. Mm-hmm. Now, we have listeners in Australia. We did. <laughs> uh, th- this has been coming for a while like this legislation has been in the works it's been in the works in the US the UK, Australia uh, all over the world uh, and it basically says that if you have encrypted data and the government wants it then you have to give it to them uh, you have to have some way to decrypt it right, that, that was the big thing yeah, if you don't have a way of decrypting it, you have to build a way of decrypting it and give that to the government. Now, this this headline isn't correct um, because Australia has yet to ban secure encryption. So this this law has not been passed. Um, it's passed its fa- first major hurdle, and the people in charge of the second major hurdle are saying that they are going to just pass it straight through. So... It will, in all likelihood, become law in Australia, mm-hmm. but it isn't law yet. We don't have to worry about it yet, but holy shit, this is the first government that succeeded in getting it as far. Right. Um, the U.S. really wants to get this same kind of law in place, and it fundamentally destroys the idea of the Internet. Well, well of any security on the internet. It doesn't really destroy the fundamental nope. idea of the inter- internet. The but fundamental idea of the internet is destroyed by this because if you pass traffic that is encrypted, you're going to have to have a way of decrypting it. And there is there are core elements of how the internet functions that, that use encrypted messaging for the sake of the function of the system. Mm-hmm. Router communication has to be encrypted so that the routers can't just get hijacked by any random on the network. Mm-hmm. Um, the just the idea of this being put into practice. What's going to happen is that Australia is going to get cut off the internet. No, no, no one is going to comply with this. They will just stop delivering to Australian IPs. Well, okay, yeah, I, I, I can, I can see that. I, I can see if Australia says, "Hey, you, you, you can't." You can't offer your services to an Australia, Australia unless you comply to this. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a, anyone who's multinational, they're going to have a version of their website that is essentially a static HTML page that says, sorry, you're in Australia. Here's the most we can give you. Yeah, yeah. And that was, I mean, that's the thing that security experts are trying to warn the government of is by by creating these these back doors, you fundamentally break security for everybody because as they as they point out now, these companies can't protect our personal data today. You know they're not going to be able to protect what should be encrypted data. And those those back doors, those encryption keys, everything that a company is going to use to implement so that they can adhere to these policies will leak. And they will get out there in the open, and bad people will take advantage of them. Not just that it'll leak, but even in its correct use, it will fundamentally weaken encryption. If you have 
well, but breakable. That's, huh? But that's the goal, right? I mean, the goal is to, to is to weaken encryption. Right, but it'll weaken it for everyone just by existing, just by trying to implement right. it for a single user. What you do is when you have a single, when you have the ability to access a single user's encrypted data, then it means that there's a, a single point of failure for all users' data. Right. And if there's a single point of failure for all users' data, then even if no one gets that key, that super secure key that accesses everything, it still exists. And it means that there's only one target now for hackers, crackers, and and other attackers. If you break that one key, and, and what's the encryption technology on that one key? Is it 1028? Is it? You yeah, it'll know. be the. You know, it will be the minimum. It'll be what whatever the least amount of work they need to do to to adhere to the policy. Yeah, it's yeah, such a catastrophic decision. And being made by people who don't understand technology. I mean, and I'm willing to 100% admit here, when it comes to encryption, I don't understand the technology. I know enough to say, oh, shit, don't ever touch that unless you're a mathematician, unless you're a certified diploma doctorate in mathematics. Because I've seen how encryption breaks in ways that only a mathematician would ever say, oh, yeah, no, you can't do that because of how large well, number addition works or well, how infinite number calculation works. That's the thing is, is we're not even talking about cracking encryption. We're talking about building in back doors. We're talking about enabling companies ways to disable encryption, not to crack it, not to say, Hey, you can encrypt your data, but if we ever ask for data, you need to figure out a way to unencrypt it. This isn't an iPhone situation. It's a, it's a straight up, there has to be a back door. You guys have to be able to get into this. And that's, you know, that's the issue here. That's the, that's the weakness. And yeah, it's, it's not good. It, it, and like you said, unfortunately you have people who much like net neutrality, you have people who don't understand the technology, who don't understand the impact making these decisions and not listening to the people out there who do understand yeah. yeah, and I, I think the the shame about it is, is with net neutrality, there were people who who knew what they were doing, but were also taking large bags of money from companies like AT and T. Whereas in this case, nobody even knew what they're talking about yeah. because it just everyone came up and said, "Don't you can't do this. This is the worst thing you'll ever do. It will be your your albatross. Please don't do this." And they said, yeah, but we need security theater. It's very important. Mm. I, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so is, is the doom and gloom uh, slide still up? Oh, I, I can put that up. Yeah, it's still up. It's up now. You, you <laughs> get doom and gloom? Yeah. Um, well, I, I would jump straight into the conspiracy theory stuff. Have you seen the 10-year challenge on Facebook? Uh, you know, it's so funny you say this. I, I see I see so many people posting it. I don't know what it is, but I, yeah, I've seen people responding to it. I, I sort of don't know what it is. What's the 10 year challenge? It's a, a current Facebook trend or meme where you take a picture of yourself from 10 years ago and compare it to a picture of yourself today and say, look, I've aged. Okay. All right. That's weird. Yep. Super is that, weird. Is that all it is? That's literally all that it is. Um, the issue with this is that someone pointed out, 
hey, if you were uh, a facial recognition company and you needed data for machine learning about how to age up or down photographs, then a network of a billion people participating in a 10-year challenge would give you a lot of really helpful data. Uh, I mean, let's be clear here. Is that your conspiracy? Facebook. Facebook is a facial recognition advertising I company. I don't even know if that. I don't. Even, I don't even, even know if that justifies the doom and gloom slide, man. I'm, I'm removing your doom and gloom slide. Back on, you're back on right out. That's that was pretty weak. That was weak well, for you. But see, this came up at the same time as a survey from the Pew Research Center mm-hmm. of of people who use Facebook. So first off, yeah, I, I would say that posting pictures of yourself where you're comparing your younger self to your older self in a single combined picture is a dumb thing to do as far as just giving away information and receiving nothing back in exchange. <clears throat> I mean, if you look at Facebook as a, a market for receiving something in exchange for your information, you're literally getting nothing back except attention. Okay. But um, before, before you go off too much further, how, has Facebook been around for ten years yet? They, they, it's been around for ten years, right? It feels yeah, like it yeah. has. Yeah, really. So, does. I, I mean, if if that was really if that was really somebody's kind of uh, you know twisted motivation, they would be able to go out and scrape pictures of you anyways from ten years ago. Would would they not? I'm pretty sure I have publicly available. Yes. I mean, just just on my Twitter stream, I'm pretty sure you could go back ten years on me. Yes, they could, but the way it's it's being done draws a lot of attention simultaneously to generating a single image that you could dump into an algorithm without having to do any other math around locating the face, locating mm. excluding background elements. You can you can cut a, a lot stretch. of crap by having the users do the work for you. That's a stretch. I, I just thought it was a stupid internet thing, and it's, I still think it's just a stupid internet thing. I, I honestly yeah, there's thought also there was... a, there's a lot of people who weren't on Facebook ten years ago. There's a lot of people who joined mm-hmm. Facebook two years ago, and getting them to participate in this gets additional information added to the collective. <laughs> I, India has only become online with Facebook within the last three years. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a huge amount of information. Uh, I, I, I honestly thought there was more to it that I was just missing. I'm like, okay, what else is there? I mean, is there supposed to be something else? Are you supposed to see if this is real or not real? Or I thought there was something more to it. That's just, just, it's just, it's just propagation of more data. But the thing that worries me about it more than whether or not this cons- conspiracy theory is true is that Pew Research did a poll where they found that 74 percent of Facebook users did not know that Facebook maintained a list of their interests and traits. Okay. All right. When when shown how to access this list on Facebook, which is your advertiser preferences somewhere uh-huh. deep within your settings, 51% of users were not comfortable with Facebook compiling this information. Hmm. But only 20% of users said, well, that information is not even accurate. What do you mean not accurate? That it doesn't like, represent them. That they, that they got their interests wrong. Hmm. So that's the thing is that most people don't know that Facebook is doing this. And when told, they're not comfortable with it. But it is accurate. I, I, I yeah. That's just ignorant. It's like, how, how can you not know that 
Facebook is tracking this? Like, what do you think Facebook is doing? Yeah, I was thinking about it today. It's like they they have no idea. People don't understand how free stuff on the internet works. They have no concept whatsoever of why something is free. They just assume it. It's it's this entitlement thing that I think people are growing up entitled to free services being provided by the internet, and it never occurs to them that they're not free. I, yeah, man. I, I I don't I don't know what to say to that. And and you think about it, it's like like even like the web browser. It's like you're absolutely one hundred percent dependent on your web browser. Nobody finds it weird that web browsers are free. Like, I mean, <laughs> e- e- even the good guys, even like Firefox, it's like okay, you know, Firefox is free because they're getting donations. Like, they're they're pretty transparent on how they make money off off. They're collecting data too. People are very upset about some recent revelations about that. Oh, really? I yeah. I was not aware of that. But still, uh, d- despite all of that, I mean, you know, you th- you think about your web browser, you think about your email with like Gmail. I mean, how how incredibly expensive did you know uh, email c- used to cost you? I mean, not that it was incredibly expensive, but to get email like private email, there was a fee associated with it. And now it's just something that that like you said, people feel like they're entitled to. It's like right. you need you need to think through this. I mean, there's none of this stuff is free. It's never so have, free. Have you watched Have you watched Valley of the Boom? No. Have you heard about it? Uh, it's no. It sounds familiar, but I can't. I couldn't tell you what it is. So this is a, a, a TV miniseries that just came out. Uh, literally just came out four days ago. Oh, then I definitely don't know what it is. And it is the story of the Netscape versus Internet Explorer browser wars. What? How did I not know about this? I can tell you there's a, there's a smell to the show. What do you mean? Do I had, for me and you, the show goes nice and fluidly. We go, yes, yes, uh, rounds, you know, Schedule C funding, IPOs, some interesting information, some behind the scenes about the characters. But really, it's a character story about some of these Silicon Valley people who started the browser wars. Now, is this, is this based on facts or is this fi- is this fictional, it, non-fictional? It considers itself to be dramatically factual. Okay. So they're not calling it a documentary or a docu-series. They're not denying that some of the stuff is made up for drama, but the core idea behind it is mm-hmm. true, and they have a lot of interviews with the actual people that are being portrayed in the show cut between the actual show itself. So uh, I, I don't know if you've heard uh, of a movie called Animals of America. No. Um, or American American Animals. American it, Animals. It was, yeah, it was a movie released uh, last year that was in this same sort of format of cutting the real people in with the actors and the actors acknowledging that they're actors on screen. Like it's this whole fourth wall breaking thing. Okay. It's a true story, but it's dramatized. They have the real people in it, but they also have the actors, but the actors say that they're actors. Okay. It's it's a whole, it's a, it's a style that there's popular right now. But my issue with it is that a lot of it makes sense to me, but my wife who was watching it with me, I kept having to pause it and explain why certain story points were occurring. 
Why okay. was Netscape? Why was Netscape a web browser worth three billion dollars? Mm-hmm. How did they make money? And so I had to pause it and say, "Oh well, Netscape actually sold their browser on disks that showed up in binders every month. You got the latest update, and like, but it also shows the birth of the advertising model for websites and and how that develops." It's it's a it's an interesting show. Well, yeah, I mean, we already have uh, feedback in Discord that it's a great show. Um, is it on? Where where do you? Where is it? Is it Netflix? What is it? Uh, Usenet. What? I, I I pirate everything. It's apparently it's on National Geographic. I wouldn't know. <laughs> You're killing me. Can you speak human for for a change? Where would it, like a normal person go watch this? National Geographic. National Geographic, do you? The, the National Geographic Channel. All right, I'm going to have to look that one up. And it's uh, it's good, and it provides a lot of interesting insight into a lot of how Silicon Valley worked in the early early nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for nerds. It's for me and you. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it, it, you know, I, it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be one of those shows that I watch by myself because. I, I absolutely drive my wife crazy if if I watch it with her because I'm like, okay, I don't think you're appreciating what's happening here. So you got to keep in mind that at this time, you know, Bill Gates was doing this for Microsoft and these guys are doing this for Apple. That's, they, they do a good job explaining that. They do a good job explaining that Netscape in, in achieving its IPO mm-hmm. pushed Microsoft to create a free browser mm-hmm. and why that was monetarily advantageous at the time and why it's more advantageous now. And I haven't seen the whole thing. I've only gotten a couple episodes into it, but... You've only downloaded a few episodes? Yeah, they're not all out yet. Yeah. So far, it's an interesting show. It's it's better than the whole... uh, The one about the x86 processor being invented. (laughs) Whatever that is. I'm going to have to give that one... I'm going to have to give that one a look. Because that that's right up my alley. I love uh, I love those those documentaries. It's good, and it will remind you of Pirates of Silicon Valley quite a bit. Because it probably one of my favorites. It my basically favorite. takes place five years after that. Ah. And and yeah, Pirates of Silicon Valley. If you haven't seen it, is still the best Steve Jobs movie and yep. the best sure. the the best explanation of the Microsoft versus Apple fight in the eighties. Um, and I, I would, e- I would, I would even venture to say, I haven't seen a better um, movie depicting the startup of Microsoft either than, than parts of, of Silicon right. Valley. I, I think even, that, even though it only covers it for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Like no, the, it does a the, good job. It, it the does the real, whole New Mexico. And yeah, but the, the really early beginnings before New Mexico only get covered with like Balmer and, yeah, uh, yeah, they kind of brush over that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Balmer's a partier, and Gates is not. They're they're like all they're all at Harvard, and then like yeah, like you said, next thing you know, they're in New Mexico, and yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but their coverage of Steve Jobs is spot on. It's so good. And that is that the one uh, the guy from ER played Steve Jobs. Who played Steve uh, Jobs? Maybe who's the who's the doctor from ER who played Steve Jobs in Pirates of Silicon Valley? Oh crap! <laughs> I, I want to say Eric 
No, it's not Eric. I, w- I would know that one. I, I want to say Eli or something, but I don't think that's right either. We're, we're both uh, Wikipedia-ing it. But yeah, that, Noel that is Wiley. Just, Nolan Wiley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nolan Wiley. Hello. See? Um, all right. Yeah. I, need to, I need to refresh my beer. Prepare yourself because we're, we're going to get on a microwave level bandwidth as soon oh. as I get back. All right. Well, fortunately, I still have the uh, doom and gloom here. So go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll keep the viewers entertained. Perfect. I'll uh, throw up a little Patreon there for, for everybody to look at. But yes, Nolan, Nolan Weil and uh, Anthony Michael Hall actually plays Bill Gates and um, does a really good job. Pirates of Silicon Valley. What, what year did that come out? Nineteen ninety nine. Wow. Yeah, that's that movie's held up well. Yeah. Okay. Are you back? I am back. I I I, I did something to uh, our Trello board. Uh oh. I, I think I deleted your column. <laughs> I agree. We need music, Ted. That's you, Ted, right? Ted Nugent. Yeah. That's that's frontal, frontal nudity. Nudity. I can I can never say his I can never pronounce his handle. Yes, I agree. We need to I even have a um I even bothered to do the research on what music we can play. There's actually a whole service out there called uh uh Pretzel that all they do is stream uh DRM free music that you're allowed that that are that's allowed to be on streams. So it's a as a service designed specifically for streamers who want to have music on their show and not worry about licensing or getting taken down or anything like that. And all they do is, and they have a bunch of genres. Um, unfortunately we're using OBS on a Mac and getting that loop back has been, has proven, uh, challenging. I might, I might look into that again though. Okay. I still see my column on Trello. What do you got for us, though? Let's let's hear it. I mean, let me get your let me get your doom and gloom screen up. You're all set, man. Doom and gloom. Have you away. been uh, have you been shopping for a TV lately? Uh, I've actually bought several TVs lately for the uh, new Diego Dev offices. We have uh, a couple of televisions, all Roku based, which I have to say I am pleasantly surprised how well they work. Well, here's the issue. Issue. <laughs> Smart TVs are currently more in demand than dumb TVs, uh, but they're also less expensive. So if you've got a, a Roku smart TV, it actually 50, costs less. 55 inches, and I think it was under 300 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Insane. Absolutely insane. Well, there was a podcast recently on, I believe it was The Verge. Take your hand away from your mouth. What's wrong with you? I believe it was The Verge. Okay. Did a podcast where they talked with Vizio CTO Bill Baxter. And Bill Baxter explained that there's a roughly 6% margin in the industry. So they're they're selling TVs that's, at only 6% above cost. So that's that yeah, the 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 television the margins on television as somebody who uh, used to work for a pretty notable TV producer uh, uh, the margin has always been very tight. Yeah, and uh, one of the things he let slip was that the margin on dumb TVs is higher than on smart TVs. Okay. Uh, because, quote, 
the greater strategy is I really don't need to make money off the TV. I need to cover my cost. Mm -hmm. So what they are doing is collecting and selling data from smart TVs as well as producing advertisements that are put up on smart TVs. And that it is a smart TV provides greater income at a lower margin for TV manufacturers than a dumb TV. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a couple controversial things out there, and uh, nothing new, but Go ahead. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I mean, it's, it's very much the same argument of advertisements on Facebook being tailored to me as opposed to just being generic advertisements. So um, had my television, if I were to find out my television was grubbing information about me to help target ads for me, and I was watching a service that had ads attached to it. It's not for you. Okay. Do, do tell. So they don't care about targeting advertisements to you. They care about collecting data about viewership of television. Well, they've so, always done that. I mean, that's nothing new. They they always did that when you were a a, a Neiman family. What was it called? A what Nielsen called? family. Nielsen. That's it. It wasn't if you were but... if you were a Nielsen family, you got your cable paid for, and they sent you a check and a special TV box that you had to enter your your viewing into every time you did something. But now. That is built into all of the TV sets that are being sold, Again, and it is not just—it is not just what you're watching because these TV sets don't turn off. My TV set Wait doesn't turn off. Are you going to tell me it knows what I'm cooking in my microwave? Probably. <laughs> so I'm going to—I'm going to say uh, I, I've been experimenting with with a new service. Um, we, this has been going on for a while. If you're a long-time listener of the show. Uh, we did uh, signed up for the YouTube TV, which is basically your local television over YouTube. Um, it's worked out really well because you know, again, now that I have the the television at the office and it's a Roku television, I essentially have all my television that I would have at home without having to pay for cable. So sure. it's kind of kind of the same, same thing. It's weird because um, for, so. One of the one of the features of the YouTube of YouTube TV, and I think Hulu TV does the same thing. There's a, there's a few services out there, Sling Television. They all allow you to do online DVRing, right? Right. So that's cool. What I think eh. would be what I think would be cooler is since it won't let me cut the cut the ads out because when you when you DVR it, you DVR the ads as well. I wish that these services was were smart enough to be able to keep the ads current. Like, don't show me an ad for but the you, football game. You want ads? I don't want ads, but if I have to watch ads, I want to see. You don't current have ads. to watch ads. You do if you use these services, right? So sure we're, we're, we're we're talking about doing things the legal way here, Thomas. But like, I'm fine with it having a spot for ads, but if it, if it it should be smart enough to say, okay, he's watching a recording from three weeks ago. This football game was played two weeks ago, so I'm going to use this ad spot for a current ad. Like, sure, I don't, sure. I don't need to show them ads that are expired. And for a while there, I almost thought that's what the YouTube TV was doing because it seemed like 
I would see ads and, and I was like, wow, that's very current ad for a show that was on last month. But then I, I go back and, and watch another recording and it's completely wrong. It's like, you know, it, it'll show me old ads all the time. Well, I think it's so, both. So again, if, if I have to watch ads, I'd rather see current ads that are targeted for me as opposed to out-of-date random ads for anybody. See, I would prefer if I had to see ads to only see nostalgia inducing ads from the 1980s. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, I, if we're going to play in this dream if, world if, where if advertisers you can manipulate cater to the algorithm, us, yeah, if you can mani- if, if there was a way to manipulate the algorithm then then sure, why not? Yeah. I I would be opposed to that. It, you should be able to, to dictate what sort of ads you see. I, I want to be watching a show, and then during the ad break, they try to sell me Skeletor's, ca- Skeletor's Castle of Power, where you pour the purple slime in it, and it drips out the skull mouth. Well, that would be awesome, but He-Man maybe not that. Stop. But maybe have Skeletor try to sell you a truck. Oh, wait a minute. That is actually an ad. Have you seen those? Yeah. Where they have the I, I haven't. I have never. Have, I don't see ads there, at literally actually, at all. There's actually a. I, I don't remember what car company it is. It shows you how much attention I pay to it. But there's actually a car company that that's their whole ad. They have these eighty toys that come on and sell you their car. They have like Ninja Turtles and a bunch of them. Sure. Sure. Oh. Gotta milk those licenses. I, I literally don't see ads. I uh, I have a very advanced but ad blocking system you're, on you're part my of the phone, problem. my computer. You're part of the problem, though, right? You you illegally get the, the, these videos and you strip out the ads. You're part of the reason why people like me have to continue to watch ads. I mean, you I know. pay I pay for Hulu. The Hulu I pay for, I pay for ad free Hulu, so I don't have to watch ads when I watch Hulu, but it's, it's also not the live TV Hulu. But see, that's not true. Did you know that Colgate was the first television broadcaster in America? Uh, okay, your point. We, America, in America, there was a law that was passed that was like, oh, you can't be a brand of product and have a television station. But okay. all, the way, all, the way, all the way back to Groucho Marx doing a cigar bit on television, it was brought to you by Colgate or Marlboro. Okay. I mean, ads were on radio my, as well. It's my, nothing new. Right. My piracy affects nobody. Like, no one at all. There's there's no one hurt that, by it. That, there's no one that, helped by that, it. It's that's just, a very... That's a... I, I question that view. I, I don't... I don't agree with big media where... I, where, where they say pirates cost them billions of dollars. Because, again, here's sure, my justification. outright false. Right. My justification is on Netflix, or I mean, not Netflix. Well, I mean, you can say Netflix. I guess it's the same thing. On Netflix, I can watch commercial free television for, you know, whatever a Netflix subscription is. On Hulu, I can pay an extra $10 a month and watch commercial free television. So somewhere, somebody is equating $10 a month is what I generate in ads, right? So for, for them to go after these people who, who download content illegally and say it's costing them billions of dollars just isn't true. And it's, it's, it, that's part of the problem as well. This is the yeah. thing. It's like everybody is at such extreme ends of the spectrum on this argument. And you got people like me who say, no, you're both wrong. It's here in the middle is, is you know, people what's like right. People like me who are right. 
No, no yeah, obviously. I mean, I'm clearly right. In, well, it's been empirically proven that software piracy improves game sales. Video game sales are actually helped by software piracy. And I, and I think the same argument has been made of, of uh, pirating uh, music as well. And and I I'm Absolutely. one of those. I am actually, I'm actually one of those people who agree that music is meant to, is, is an art form and is meant to be free. Now, I think, I think musicians should be able to make a living off their music. I disagree. A lot of and, music I, I hear now is not art. Well, well, but that's subjective, right? I, I can agree with you there. I can definitely say. I don't know. I consider myself an authority. Art. And if you're right. an authority, it's not exactly subjective. It's a little subjective. I mean, <laughs> but again. Same principle. It's like you sound like my kids. For, for somebody to be able to sue, uh, you know, a, a family for recording "Happy Birthday" song, which I guess is, is actually not a thing anymore, but the same principle. I record something, I put it on YouTube, and they take it. You know, it, it gets hit with a copyright infringement act. It's like uh, well, come YouTube on. situation is real ugly. Uh, there are people who are having original compositions being taken down by Sony. Just because Sony believes that it owns music, well, and, and the thing it's is, bizarre. It's not even it's it's all automated too, right? It's just these bots that go out and look to attack. It's yeah, it's crazy. It, it's it's nuts. The the YouTube situation story for another episode, but just know I, I, that if if you're buying a TV, they are subsidizing the purchase of your TV with the data they're collecting from you. And the data is not limited to what you're watching, but also the things you're seeing in the room when the TV is turned off. So I do have a YouTube story though. I'm sure my YouTube I, saw, I saw this and I haven't heard it. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I was actually happy to see it. Um, so we stream on YouTube. So, I mean, YouTube is a, is a important platform for, I think a lot of, a, a lot of people in the industry, oh, yeah. thousands, and there's been just this such this run of these these prank shows of, and it's it's like it's all these jackass knockoffs where these people are just doing things that are that are I don't know I, I, I'm probably showing my age, but I'm just like that's if if you want to do stupid stunts with you and your friends and record them. Be a dumbass and go ahead and do that, but it's like when they when they get other people involved, it's kind of like you know that's that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. Anyways, uh, YouTube now has said that they're going to start banning dangerous pranks and challenges. And I guess this all came about because of that uh, that Tide challenge. That what's oh, oh no, that's the the Tide challenge is is a great story to lead with, but this happened when a guy asked his girlfriend to shoot him with a desert Eagle 0.50, And she did. No, no, no. This actually, according to the article, the, the, the driving force behind this was the new bird bird cage challenge Bird the bird where, box challenge, bird box where you, challenge, where you create where a some, shitty movie and put it on Netflix. Where some, some teenage girl, thought it would be smart to blindfold herself and go drive a car. And I, I guess that was kind of like the final straw for, uh, for you. I, I don't know, man. Uh, my, my issue is that I don't usually get along with the conservative point of the snowflake generation, mm -hmm. but teenagers have always been stupid. I, I can, like, I can, as a former teenager myself, I can, I can contest to that. Yeah. Yes. And, 
and as, as someone who has a 16-year-old and two 15-year-olds, I'm realizing that uh, 16 and 15 are teenagers, and they do stupid things, but they're also at a point where there's literally no stopping them trying to get attention. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what you do, they are, they believe to themselves to be masters of their own domain, controllers of their own body and mind and willpower, mm-hmm. and no matter how wrong they are, they're going to do something stupid. The, the the Tide Pod challenge thing is fascinating to me because the number of that is 28. 28? 28 what? 28 people did it. Oh, okay. Like, the media wants to consider this a, an epidemic. Mm-hmm. But the, the number of views on the channels where somebody faked doing the Tide Pod challenge is in the range of tens of millions. Uh-huh. So, like... Banning these kinds of prank videos is going to have zero effect on the actual activities of idiotic teenagers. It, it will <laughs> do nothing whatsoever. And it won't even shield YouTube from liability. Because all you need is one viewer who copies another viewer to have the liability there. This is, this is just another step in YouTube restricting what is acceptable on their platform for advertisers. This is purely driven but by again, advertisers they're, they're, want that's to That's fine. I mean, they're a private company. They can do that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. But don't say that this is the safety of teenagers. You, <laughs> you can't hide Tide Pod challenges from teenagers. They started it. <laughs> like, it went around the high school first, and then it got to YouTube. Mm. You know? <laughs> like... And this is not the social issue of our day. Is not children doing things. This teenagers is not teenagers doing things they see on TV. That's the behavior of nine-year-olds. So to try and say teenagers are imitating what they see on the internet, and we have to stop it as a socially responsible company, is trying to pass the buck to to people who have no responsibility in this whatsoever. It, people are dumb. Obviously, just just that's that's the disclaimer we need it in front of every movie and video. People are dumb. This is fiction. <laughs> even if it's real, even if it's a documentary, it should say this is fiction. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah. All right. I think we are well past our time. Yeah, We didn't have John around to tell us that it's time to wrap it up. I know. We're we're deep. We're deep into a uh, hour hour thirty right now. Yeah. How much I can edit that down, but but uh, uh, I think for, for programming fun. news, uh, Boss Jan in Discord just pointed out that the the new version of PHP seven point three point one does fix the Laravel opcache incompatibility bug. You can you can look look up above us if if you're watching the video. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And that was actually something that was brought up. I, I think he's the one that actually brought it up in our Discord when uh, 7.3 first came out. But he is saying that there is still a bug when running opcache and xdebug. So, oh. wonder what that. Could Anyways, be. why would there be? A, why would xdebug and opcache? Because xdebug is the monster that won't die. Yeah, yeah, we're still alive, buddy. You're contributing to the show as we speak, so that's awesome. If you're if you're listening to the podcast, we were able to get uh, OBS going for this one, so we have all our little Discord chat, uh, all the bells and whistles going. Yeah, we've been switching scenes. We've been showing 
showing browser articles and Patreon lists. Again, thanks to all our Patreons, uh, which is currently up. So, um, yeah. I think, well, as a matter of fact, let's let's leave it at that. I'm going to keep the Patreon screen up. And uh, I think we will wrap that. We'll call that uh, 137 in the can. Um, we'll be back next week. And our goal next week, Thomas, is at least 20 minutes of code talk. Real code talk next week. I will be working on my GraphQL stuff next week. <gasps> so I'll have something for you. We have things to talk about. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, next week, GraphQL is our topic. Uh, I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly. (laughs) 